the the use of failure as fertilizer. It's not that sport. It's not this sport. It's not that sport. It's strength and conditioning. Can I AI that? Ways to value people's time. What do you fear for high school sports? That's a really tough question. If I see you and you're who I want, why don't I go after you? That's why we have to get better. Hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the AD Insider Thursday 30. And today I'm super excited to share with you some of the best AD Insider moments of 2023. This year involved another big leap for the AD Insider team. As we continue to feature experts and ADs from across the country on topic-specific interviews and tutorials, we took it a little bit further and went in the offices of some of the athletic directors to get a deeper, more insider look at how their athletic department is trying to overcome the unique challenges of today. Now, if you weren't able to catch any of the episodes of 2023 or you have an aspiring AD you'd like to share the Thursday 30, series with this is the episode to bookmark watch or share it's going to give you little bite-sized nuggets from almost every single interview we did in 2023 thank you so much for joining us in this episode and we want to thank all of you that joined us in the thursday 30 throughout 2023 especially our partners and the partner for this episode in particular and that's hometown ticketing hometown's digital ticketing platform is unlike anything on the market today with easy to use features industry leading security and a massive customer support team that has your back. If you want more support, more security, and more customization, go to hometownticketing.com. Best of luck to everyone in 2024. We hope you enjoy this 80 Insider Thursday 30. Dr. Hacker, do you think that athletes today are less mentally tough than they were 10 or 20 years ago? It's the million dollar question. I, you know, I have answers. I have thoughts. <laughs> I've certainly read a significant body of literature on mental toughness. One thing that I do feel has shifted, and I'm not exactly Grandma Moses here in, in my age or longevity, but I've been around a while. One thing that I have seen shift is that I'm not sure that our our families, the environment, the culture really values and respects the struggle, the difficulty, the, the use of failure as fertilizer. I have just seen a shift where we're not achieving, not getting to the playoffs, not making the varsity is some negative, awful thing, and we need to um, remedy that in some way, right? And any athletics directors know what I mean when I say remedy in that in some way. They're not getting calls that say, listen, I'd like to make an appointment, just 15 minutes to tell you how awesome you're doing and how awesome the coach is and how awesome of time. That's not when, you, that's not the meetings that people are asking for. Uh, you know, I, I just think there's nobility in the struggle. And I don't think that's talked enough about in our culture, nobility in the struggle that I have a phrase that I use that, that that which we achieve too easily, we esteem too lightly. Like I think part of, part of the respect and pride and, and grit that all of us feel is when we had to work and get up again and work again, and that it didn't come easily, that we had to struggle with it. And, and I, I, I would like to have more dialogue around the nobility of struggle. How do you balance the need to fill a role 
with the need to get the right person? Like, where's that? Like, sooner or later, you got to hire them, right? Right. Yep. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, a lot of that may depend on the sport itself. Uh, if it's a sport that you're kicking off early, uh, football jobs, just like a lot of coaching jobs now, let's be honest, are turning into 365 day jobs. Uh, so that there's there's never really a great time to be without. Uh, but uh, you ultimately you want to get it right. If it's some if you're talking about a golf coach for us that is in the spring, well, you've got to okay, we can, we can kind of take our time with that if we want to. If we're talking about a football hire, we've got to be very intentional. But that is, in my opinion, that is next to the, uh, the principal and the athletic director, the head football coach, especially in the South, uh, that is an extremely important hire. From a financial perspective, uh, that, that football program is going to be the engine that drives the athletic department. Uh, so you've got to get that one right. And that's why I feel, you know, a lot of the times – I don't think I don't think too many ADs empower the staff that they have in place to kind of keep it afloat. That happened to me. That's just a personal thing. We went through a coaching change. The athletic director came to me and another one of the assistant coaches. Uh, we we did not have aspirations to apply for that job, but we we liked where we were. We had a passion for that place. We loved those kids. We wanted to do right by the program, and we had a conversation with the with the AD to go. Listen, we'll keep it above above water until you can get somebody hired. We'll make sure that the workouts are done. We'll make sure that orders are placed, that helmets are reconditioned. We'll do all of the things that need to be done until you, we get somebody in here because we want you as the leader, we want you to get it right. Um, and so I think that that's what you have to do. You have to have faith in the people around you that if you need to be more intentional, you can because you're going to get it right in the long run. So Friday night football in Texas is a very big deal, and we have a lot of members of the media that like to show up to different games throughout the year, especially as we get into playoffs. So one thing we have done is we have taken all of our media requests online with Google. They can go onto our district website, and down here, if they're with the media, there is a link for them to fill out to request credentials. And this details name, affiliation, what they're asking for, what type of access, sideline, press box, um, how many spots they're requesting. On here, it will also, we have a couple of things where they have to check off that they understand they've, these are some restrictions at our stadium and they need to read and agree to those. So they have to read through this form and there are a couple of things they just have to show that they have read and agreed to. And one of the most important ones is if you submit your request after noon on game day, it probably will not be taken care of for you. Now, there have been some times when we hosted some really big playoff games and we did run out of press box at, um, room in our press box uh, and we would change the form to state that. And then at one point we did just cut it off completely, but that was for a very big um, one of our, I don't know if it was a state semifinal game, but we did cut it off and it can auto respond with we were no longer accepting any type of media request for this game. So once a media member fills this out, what happens is we've set it up to receive an email alert and our associate athletic director is the one that vets our media requests. He then will go in and look at the request. You'll notice we have a tab for each individual game of the season and we've set it up to filter so all requests don't end up on one page altogether. It will automatically separate them by the game that's being requested. So you can see this one. This person has requested two passes for press box and the field. And there's a place where our associate athletic director, uh, Coach Fetchy, he can go in and make notes 
And then our ticket manager is the one that actually gets the passes prepared, leaves them at will call. So she can come in here and say, yep, I've taken care of these people. Um, he may end up, and our associate will always email them back and say, yep, you're approved for what you crested for. Or he may let them know we can't have anybody else in the press box this week, but we got you some sideline passes and they're ready to go for that game. Before we started doing this, uh, we had people that were making requests via phone call, via email, text, and it was just all over the map. You can imagine we would sometimes things would fall through the cracks. We have people showing up that they believe they've contacted us and just for whatever reason, we didn't get the message. So this is brought everything to one space and it's made it very easy for the two people in our office that deal with this all the time. Have you come across a science for relationship building yet? My superintendent, Dr. Renee Cornet, uh, really answers that question well, though. And to tease it out a little further, what I mentioned um, a little bit earlier is that it takes high expectations and high support. If you only have high expectations for your athletes, you're just being mean. If you only have high care or high support, you're just being nice, right? And I think that sometimes in, in education, we struggle with that balance of having both high expectations and high care or high support. And so my answer for what the science would be um, is you need to have both and, and, and find the appropriate balance. What do you fear for high school sports? I think some of the things that we're seeing now in terms of shortages, um, the officials shortage across the country, for example, we're seeing transportation issues. So what we have come to know and love about education-based athletics, that model, um, is that going to change because of these shortages and, and how adversely impactful is that going to be? So does that mean less games? Does that mean shortening seasons? Does that mean rethinking the way that we compete instead of a one-on-one? -on -one, do we have to do more jamboree style because we can only get officials on one day? Um, the club style concerns me. Um, it concerns me for a lot of reasons, but um, the education-based model has our student-athlete first, in my opinion, and that's our focus, is if all the decisions, all the things that we think about and do, all the programs we put in place, if our student-athletes are at the forefront of that, then I think we're, we're headed in the right direction and we're doing the right thing, but I don't know that that is at the forefront in in the club setting. So it's enticing and they're luring student athletes from high school based programs into uh, these other programs. And I'm not convinced that those are in the best interest of our students. One of the major issues that we have here on the campus at Rockwell High School is the fact that we're landlocked. Uh, there's not a lot of space for everything. So what we've tried to do is be innovative in our design of our facilities and our fields. And, and you know, we've created a multi-purpose field um, back behind the school um, that has baseball and softball. We also are able to throw discus on it. People ask, can you throw discus on the, on the turf? Yes, you can if you maintain it properly. And we do that uh, because there's no place for our kids to throw the discus because we don't have the land here at, at Rockwell High School. So we did that with the multi-purpose field to maximize the only grass field we have left. And then as far as the band, um, you, we have a parking lot that is marked with a football field on it. 
and it allows them to use that facility. So it's kind of a dual purpose, and that's what we want to do. We want to find, when we create things and build things, we want them to have multi-use function. And so people that come here see that. They see, oh, you have an indoor. Well, we have an indoor that has pole vaulting in it, that has weight rooms in it. So it's not just helping one group, it's helping as many people as possible. Has your process for hiring coaches here, does any of that come from your experience as in the town acquisition space at Chrysler? Absolutely. And I've said this a hundred times, and I don't know why we don't do this in education more. If I see you and you're who I want, why don't I go after you? And I'll tell you what had happened when I was coming in or what had always been the practice was, let's just stick a posting out. We see who we get. That's who we get. I hate that mentality. Like um, when I was a recruiter, I'm calling in to my competitor and what I want to meet with you. How can, how can I get you to come here? And it's not always popular because within education in communities, we always want to take care of our own. He's ah, Mount Morris guy. You know, let's take care of him. And, and that's, and that's fine and dandy. But you know, as we have uh, kind of shrunk as a community, you know, sometimes that, that, that pool is not in your backyard, you know, that uh, personnel pool or, or who you're trying to go after. Maybe they just don't have the qualifications. And now I've tried in different things, different times within my career where I may have hired somebody from the outside, but I brought that Mount Morris guy in to maybe be mentored by him and learn from him and then ultimately take on that role as the other person has you know, moved on. What unique ways does your school engage the local community through its athletic events? One of the events we're actually hosting tomorrow is a football football Friday night. So we have our boys soccer team, our varsity boys soccer team playing at um, 4.30, and then we follow them with varsity football. So it's trying to mirror, kind of combine those two together to get more people out to support um, each other. Tomorrow night, we're doing our kickoff barbecue for uh, people and when the community is invited. Usually we just get parents and, and family members of our athletes. Uh, we do that. Our, our booster club reaches out into the community you know, one of our things that we, we try to work with our athletes is giving back. One of our core principles is service above self. Um, and, and that's leadership to us. That's how we define leadership. And that's what we want kind of our, our, our athletes and coaches to think about. How do we give back into the community and do some community service projects? So that's kind of our outreach. And that's always our ongoing thing. How do you squeeze that in? But I think it's very important in our community and communities around the world that they around the country they need to know that their tax dollars make this available for us. We need to give back a little bit and say thank you. We reached out to a company um, that works with fan engagement, right? That is sort of like a geo tracking. So when they get to an event, it might be, oh, hey, you get 10 points for coming to um, a field hockey game, right? They're checking in on their phones, their fans at the field hockey game. You know, you get 50 points. All of a sudden you get some awesome swag, Franklin Panthers. So in the winter, we do um, a fan shirt, and it's just a white T-shirt uh, with some sort of design on the front in our school colors, uh, usually designed by either something an athlete saw uh, on TV or something that they've created or, or had an idea about in, in one of their classrooms. And we sell those shirts for a measly $5.00 to any student in our district. So it doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten or a senior in high school, for $5, you get the shirt. And if you bring or wear the shirt to any home event throughout the winter, you get in for free. Uh, we try to do spirit nights 
at local um, restaurants so that can get them, you know, it's kind of like a mutually beneficial relationship. You know, we bring in business to them and then in, and in turn, like they're encouraging people to come out to our games. One of the skills that people talk about as they get higher and higher up in administration is the politics of it. For you, as you went from a one high school town to a district to a national governing body now to Chassa, what political skills have you developed on that road? Ways to value people's time better. Uh, the way that I, I construct a meeting schedule, for instance, um, you know, I, I think I got better at that as I got uh, down in my career farther. You know, your um, how you communicate things. I, I heard from a um, a five star general who was a chairman of the board at USA Football, and one of the things he shared with me one day he said, I, "I keep this little note above my desk, and it says, what do I know? Who needs to know? And have I told them?'" And I thought, wow, that's a pretty powerful little statement, you know, but that's that's the politics of, of communication as you get into these roles. People are people. It doesn't matter. You know, the people back in Western Colorado that I still have so many friendships and colleagues with, same with the Aurora Public Schools, same at the national governing body where we were there at USA Football. You're still dealing with people, but how you manage your communication style and how you communicate with them and what you tell them and the responsibilities that you have as a leader to value their time in the way that you approach things. That's definitely something I learned about the politics of, of communication and how we manage um, meeting with those folks. And, and so from simple things. Give um, me an example of that. You keep talking yeah. about managing the meetings. Yeah. Um, so so the way you set up a, a meeting agenda, for instance, um, you know, sometimes we go into meetings. I don't know. I, I know early in my career, I think I ran meetings as an athletic director where um, I don't even know if the outcomes were clear to the people that were attending the meeting. As I continued down that, looking back on that, though, and as I got into a national governing body setting where I was dealing with uh, representatives of the NFL or the NCAA, the NFHS, you know, and these these main players in it and uh, people that I respected and were colleagues with, I, I learned how to set up a meeting agenda that helped outline here's specific outcomes we want to get from this meeting. Here's the questions that are going to be asked. Here's what, by the end of this meeting, here's what we're going to do. And it seems like a simple thing, but it was, it became incredibly valued, valuable to me because by taking those extra steps, it taught me to that that I'm valuing their time. And so even now with our, with our staff here, I do the same thing. I do uh, agendas like that for every single meeting. And I'm here's, here's our hopeful outcomes of this meeting. Here's what we want to do. Here's responsible for that section of the meeting. And it, yeah, it takes a, again, you know, you're talking about time, but if you're going to bring people together to meet with you and talk with you, you, you need to value their time enough to take some time into thinking what's their purpose for being here and make sure they know that. And, and you, you validate their, their presence by valuing their time. All right. So now I want to play a game with you. I know this is kind of odd, but uh, I call the game. Can I AI that? Give me a situation that you would typically have to spend a decent amount of time on handling uh that we could try out here okay perfect so i do have a perfect situation in mind um we have a situation where it has been reported that athletes in the locker room have um, been using racial slurs whether it's directed towards teammates or just in general um so now we have you know parents that are upset and we're 
are trying to figure out a disciplinary you know, process to give or investigation to do in order to make sure that we're taking care of the problem because no matter where you are, that's unacceptable um, behavior in the locker room. And let me add that coaches are present, but not within earshot of hearing um, any type of racial slur. Okay, so I have my notes here. Just correct me if I'm wrong. I got athletic, this is chat GBT, athletic uh, locker room students report racial slurs are being said. Coaches are in the locker room, but are out of earshot. Uh, we have a racial situation in our high school program. Write a statement. So this is the prompt part of the, about this. You want a statement that you can pass on to paper your trail uh, to your AP, essentially. So Correct. write a statement to a superior explaining the situation in a professional manner, less than 200 words. And let's see what comes out. I'm writing to bring to your attention concerning an incident that has recently occurred with our high school athletic program on blank date during a team gathering in an athletic locker room. Several students reported the use of racial slurs by their peers. I want to emphasize that the coaching staff was present in the locker room at the time, but out of earshot of the offensive language. This incident has currently this incident has created a racial sensitive situation with our program and requires immediate action. Our school's commitment to fostering an inclusive and respective environment for all students is paramount and any form of discri discrimination or harassment is unacceptable. To address this situation, we are taking the following actions, conducting a thorough investigation to identify the individuals responsible for the racial slurs, meeting with the affected students and their families to offer support and address their concerns, implementing sensitivity training and diversity education for all athletes to prevent such incidents in the future, enforcing disciplinary measures in the line in line with their school's policies for those found responsible. We are committed to ensuring that our athletic department remains a safe and inclusive space for all students. Your guidance and support is ha in handling this matter is greatly appreciated. Could that pass? It's pretty darn close. I mean, when I read the, or when I hear you say the, like the bullet points of what we should be doing, it's exactly what we did in our situation that we had to handle. If I only had so much to spend, where would you put it to have the biggest impact on your whole program? I tell our coaches all the time, if you need it to practice or play, we will get it. So I never tell coaches, no. Now, do you need sweats? No. Go to the booster club, raise money, do whatever you got to do to get sweats. But if we need this, now nobody ever plans for strength and conditioning. There's, there's not. There, there's not a budget for it. It's out of your supplies. It's out of what everybody else digs out of. And usually the last thing people focus on is strength and conditioning. Being at the college level, I learned the two most important areas in your program is your athletic training room and your strength and conditioning. Because if your kids aren't healthy, nothing else matters and so for us that's been a big investment for us so if for say someone comes to me and says hey we'd we'd like to donate this we'd like to help you in an area where would it be it's not a sport it's not that sport it's not this sport it's not that sport it's strength and conditioning we need strength and conditioning because the it changes daily it changes all the time the data the research uh, our guy does a good job of reading our trainer does a good job of going things and learning things and hey, you know, we might need to invest more in this than this. And so we have weekly meetings. We will this next year of me, the strength coach, the trainer. 
and we're just going to sit down and plan to make sure our kids are healthy. What a great way to support all the programs with one investment yep. in one category, right? You're not dividing out like uh, micro pieces of money. You're just saying, all right, we got 10K. Yep. It's going to string conditioning and it's going to help yep. all 30 sports or whatever you have. But sometimes constructive criticism is really tough for somebody to understand that it's not personal, that it's not, you know, coming from a positive place. How do you deliver that message, but keep them kind of behind you as a supporter of what you're trying to do? So constructive criticism is difficult for anyone. Um, sometimes it's, it's not what you say. It's how you say it and how you say it to people and how you it's so important to speak to their heart. It's so important to um, speak to their benefit and their process. Look, as 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 educators in our wake should be a whole group of people who are better off because they cross paths with you. That's that's what our role is. And if, if you keep that in mind that your central role is to make people and programs and everything around you better. Um, that, that, that's where your influence comes from, is from your ability to do that. High level, why don't you explain the hack that your team came up with to help you save time? So after events, our coaches need to report their, the scores and what happened in, in the event. Um, and we send that out to several different media outlets so instead of them trying to remember who to email it to, trying to make sure they get out to the right people, what we've done is we've taken a, created a, a Google form that they can fill out. It's nice and simple. It requires them to put in certain information because I know, you know as a coach, sometimes we, we make this nice article, we send it out, and then we forget something like putting in the final score. And, you know, so this requires them to put in certain information. They've got to have the score in there. They've got to have the opponent in there. And then what it does is it takes that, Google form that they fill out that creates a spreadsheet automatically. And in our spreadsheet, uh, we use an app that will take that and then create a document and automatically send that document out to all of our media outlets and also to the athletic office. So we have a copy of it. All the media has it and it's very quick and easy for our, our coaches to fill that out. They can do it in just a few minutes and all that information goes out automatically. That's one of the big things is I don't understand how you're, supposed to as an ad understand all the things that you need a policy or a procedure for without having like a medical background where you went to eight years of school i just think it's unfair to put it on an athletic director and be like where's your emergency action plan for this random occurrence that happens once in every three thousand days you know like how does it how does one even know what to look for or what to build a procedure off of if you know we're talking about the extremes meaning they don't happen that often, but they are big deals. Absolutely. And so we understand, again, that not everybody is a, a medical professional. Not all in, uh, entities have athletic trainers or medical staff. And so, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we uh, pride ourselves on being able to provide collaborative solutions for people while meeting them where they are. And we've developed a, a couple tools on our platform. One is our emergency action development platform where we can walk you through step-by-step step, asking you questions about your institution that you should know the answers to, and then using a little bit of uh, AI and uh, machine learning can generate an actual emergency action plan um, document for you. 
we have the same uh, same ability to do that around policies and procedures as we walk you step by step through what you need and that at the end of the the process you click the button and out comes Blueprints, a uh, out comes a, a policy the way that's they completed. were built and so that's built, really designed um, one to make it easier for people um, and two to really help those people that may not have that medical background uh, that would be first so if it, a lot of athletic directors are going to the NADC or going into December, what and, and some might be needing some new turf, and all the vendors are there, what would you ask if you had to do another turf project to help out with the school? What would you ask the vendors at the NADC to make sure that they're the right fit for that school? I want to talk to your installation crew. I want to know who's actually putting the shovel in the dirt. I want to know what they're going to need from us. First and foremost, we're a desert. Shutting off the water to the field is one thing. Shutting off the water to the entire outside of the campus, whole other thing. Making sure we knew how to isolate just that section for water. That was humongous. Because if you shut off the water to everything else, it's dead. There's no growth. There's no, oh, it'll rain once or twice a week. We were in that pandemic, if I'm not mistaken, we also broke the record for the longest string of days in Nevada without measurable rain. So we had no water at some sites and, and we lost some, we lo I don't want to say we lost fields, but we may have lost uh, a hold on some of our fields just to make sure you know what they're turning off, what you're turning off is gigantic. That's probably the biggest piece of this that I remember. Coaches calling our office, administrators calling, Tim, our baseball field is dying. What's going on with our water? Wow. Can wow. you imagine yeah. trying to help the facilities, help the schools, and all of a sudden you're ruining other, other fields? That was a big concern because what had happened was the plans were laid out for how these schools were going to be built. But when they were built 25, 30 years ago, and all the adaptions and corrections and changes to get water to this spot, to help overwater this, all those things came into play while they were over here thinking, oh, we just turned the football field water off. So that was that was a unique situation. Like, what does that look like to be a coachable administrator? Well, again, I think everybody has to, you know, be comfortable in their skin. I keep using that word. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't look at it as a time. You can't have an ego if you're going to be really good at what you do. You have to build the relationships. You got to be the servant leader. Um, you got to be the one that can bring your programs together, um, you know, creating your mission and your vision and, and, and so forth like that, because there's a saying out there and I won't quote it exactly right, but if you're leading in from the front and you look back and no one's following you, then you're only out for a walk. So you got to really get the buy-in from people. And I think that, you know, again, I've been blessed to work with great people. Uh, anything that is on my resume is because I've had great people around me, whether it's, you know, mentors or assistants when I became an athletic director, our coaches on whatever school I've been at. We've had great coaches, great teams, um, as teams of coaches. And uh, administration at your school is huge. So I've uh, been blessed all the way through. So I think that's really it. Um, to be a servant leader, you kind of lead from behind and you bring everybody together and hopefully uh, can do some great things. And it was important for us to separate home from school. Didn't always do a good job of it. 
Uh, I can give you a, a really poignant story that's a personal story. You know, I would wear a suit and coat and tie for, for all my games and one, one day I left my suit here. I was in a hurry and rushed to school. Get through school, set up the gym, I rush home to get my, my clothes. And when I walk in, my daughters are sitting on the couch and they look up like, who are you and what are you doing here at, you know, at five o'clock? And the, the look on their face was, hey, dad's home. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I, I need to get my clothes. So I go grab my clothes and come running back out. They're like, where are you going? I said, like, I've got a game to coach. I had to go back to school, I got a game to coach. And my oldest makes this comment, when are you gonna start coaching us? And I look to my wife for some, you know, support. And my wife looks at me and says, don't look at me. You, you know, now you're, you know, dead in the middle of the season and, and all that, but that's a comment that you never forget. So, okay, what happens after that? Well, what happens after that is we start making time for daddy-daughter dates. And, you know, Julie and I are going to breakfast on Saturday or, or we're going to, you know, dinner tonight or, or what, you know, what we set up time specifically for Julie and Samantha, my children, of how we're going to set aside time for them and make sure that they're not forgotten and that you're not serving so many other people that you forget to serve at home. I think advice for, for some ADs that are involved in, in, you know, in this type of decision of, you know, how, how involved is my family going to be or how do I need to separate from my family? Uh, you know, there, there are wonderful ways to get, to get them involved. Uh, you know, they can, they can serve with the team, with the program and all that, but they need to have their own identity and their own voice too. So I think it's important that the athletic administrator does not count on his family too much to be part of his life in the job life, because there's a big difference between the job life and real life, family life. And you don't, don't need to get too deep into it. We all do, but I think part of it too is a, that's why we have to get better, right? Athletic directors have to get better. They have to continue to improve their processes. They have to continue to improve their time management skills. They have to keep up with the current stuff, whatever's going on, the current technology, the current social media practices, those types of things. Because you can get the home piece right. You can get the home piece right. That's got to be the priority. But then you still have to be able to have enough in the tank to serve the other people that you, at the job. Because the athletic director's job is harder than it's ever been before. Would you say being an AD is a grind? Yeah, it's hard. It's a lot of hard work. Have you ever been to the breaking point of like, I don't think I'm gonna keep doing this? So I don't think I've ever been to the part where I'm like, is this worth it? You know, like that part of it, you'll have those questions every once in a while, like, man, why am I doing this? Because I think that's natural when you get fatigued. I think those things come in more when you're really tired or worn out. Those questions start physically. to arise. Yeah. And mentally, you physically and mentally you're worn out. And usually that they come in times like before a break. So like you get into December and there's this, it's just been a long grind. You have a system though, to like recharge yourself so that, yeah, your recovery from that is a lot quicker. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, I have two things. Well, number one, I'm, I told you I'm an avid reader. So I can, I can immerse myself into a book and I, I can find ways of being self-reflective through reading in different ways that will help me become either more resilient or make me realize that hey, this is human nature. I probably wasn't quite good enough. But then my other thing is, is this is, sounds kind of foolish, but I have a, I have a good stuff folder. And I, I just have this folder of things that I've accumulated through my past that people have given me uh, notes, cards, letters, um, just pictures, things of that nature, wedding announcements, uh, just different things that they've given me through their time that um, if I'm having a pretty rotten day or like a, a series of days in a row, I can go to that folder. I can pick out something from my past and I can read it and it can immediately change my outlook and be like, this is why you do this. Don't let, I mean, those things are just, they're part of the grind. Let it be what it is, but this is why you do what you do. And, and it just changes your perspective and it puts you back in a place where you should be like focusing on what can I do? Not what did somebody think I couldn't do or what, what am I, what am I worn out from? Like this impacted this person's life so much for good. So I, I mean, I have that folder. I, I don't go to it often because I don't have too many of those days, but when I do, and it's nice to have those letters from former student athletes or from former coaches or, you know, even some current people that we have on staff that of the impact you made in their life. And it makes you realize pretty quickly that you're doing the right things, right? 